and gentlemen, Happy New Year to everybody out there. It is the first show of the year 2022 and episode 50 for everyone listening to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. My name is Jumpin' Jay, and we got a big one today, so we're not going to wait any longer. First of all, welcome, Happy New Year to Tommy Wildfire Fierro. How's the new year going, Tommy? Well, first off, happy New Year to you, Jumping Jay. How meant, how was your uh, your New Year's Eve? Did you stay away to uh, at least eleven o'clock or no? You know what? I tell you what. It's 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 uncommon for me to see the stroke of midnight, but I did stay up. I made it up with my wife and our two kids. We all celebrated the New Year together, and then I was probably in bed by twelve fifteen. Uh, how about yourself? Yeah, I, I made it up. Thankfully, uh, with Cobra Kai uh, streaming on New Year's Eve, it made it a little bit easier to uh, very good. Yes, to, to get away from those horrible performances from some people I've never even heard of before. But uh, anyhow, yeah, man, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to all the listeners out there. '80s Wrestling the podcast, episode 50, man. That's exciting. And uh, as I said last week, I, I'm so thankful for all the listeners out there, and 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 we get tons of DMs also on our '80s Wrestling social media platforms. Uh, for the show, and uh, yeah, it's crazy that's episode 50 already, and I, last week I promised I was going to have a guest for episode 50, and, and I think this is going to be a big one, and I'm going to tell you why. Um, as you guys know, I'm, I'm crazy busy between uh, 80s wrestling's virtual signings that I do, ISPW, the store, the podcast, there's, there's a lot going on, there's a lot of moving parts, and I'm just one guy, so it was probably... I would say the middle of maybe the beginning or middle of November. And I got an email from uh, a gentleman that uh, was a producer working on a pro wrestling musical. Now, Jay, I I get tons and tons of uh, DMS, emails, all all kinds of stuff. And dude, when when you're one person doing all these, (laughs) trying to run three different brands at one time, you know, some DMs, I, I, I'm, I'm, I hate to say, I don't even get a chance to even look at them. I don't get a chance to even open them. I'm just, I'm so busy. I don't even get a chance to get to them. And, and same thing with emails, man. And then and, and it was my New Year's resolution that, uh, you know, things to do in 2022, one of the things that I, I put down at the top of my list is, you know, be more organized with your emails and your, and your DMs. There's a lot going on, but you have to find an hour a day, whether it's, uh, you know, an hour before everyone else wakes up or an hour after everyone goes to sleep to answer those emails. So, I've been doing that already, and uh, and it's it's helping. So I'm, I'm becoming more organized. So um, I, I I did see this email, and it caught my attention uh, from from Jeremiah James. He was a Broadway producer. Now I wound up calling him, and you know something. I, I introduced myself, and we were going to talk, and he couldn't do that uh, that week. Basically, the following week that he would we we meet up i think he was going somewhere away and i and i totally forgot about it not not that i was blowing off whatsoever because i for me to call back i, I knew that it was a, a, an opportunity but i just had forgotten about it just because i have 30 other things on my plate that i'm doing in that week's time frame so he calls me up uh the day before the the night before and make sure we're still on and then i'm like remembered it and then but i thought it was a i thought it was a telephone call meeting that we're having because he has a an area code from california but he actually lives in new jersey and i i forgot that or i didn't mention that or whatever it was whatever the case would be and so he actually came to my store to meet with me and i i wasn't i wasn't really prepared for it because like i said it was it's something that i just it it slipped my mind not that i was blowing it off because i I, like i said I, i knew that it was an opportunity but then when he came in he actually he actually blown me away, man. Like he he had like you know all kinds of different you know material and the script, and he had videos from prior uh, plays that and musicals that he's did. So I mean, like at this point, Jay, I'm saying to myself in my head, I'm not letting him know this, but he's he's on hold right now, so he's gonna hear it for the first time. Um, I, I'm saying to myself in my head, oh shit, this is legit. So at, at that point, when I knew it was legit, I mean, I got extremely excited, and uh, we 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 uh, we hit it off great. And I'm sure he'll talk about it when he comes on. Uh, I I just lucked out, Jay. He he. They were working on this for two years. The last match, it's a it's a pro wrestling musical, 
And I guess he had gone on Google and typed in Pro Wrestling New Jersey because he's from New Jersey, and that's a good place to start to try and you know find contacts if it's the state that you're in. So he did that, and luckily the, the wrestling store popped up, and uh, one thing led to another, and it didn't take very long. So uh, without any further ado, I'd like to introduce him now, and he can tell you the whole story, the behind the scenes of how it all came to be. Uh, the man himself, broad producer. Jeremiah James, welcome to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Hey, man, thank you so much for having me, gentlemen. This is uh, exciting for me, being a, you know, a, a massive wrestling fan my whole life, to be on an 80s podcast about wrestling. It's literally, there's been so many, like, bucket list moments since I met up with Tommy that uh, it's just, it's killer, man. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Well, we're we're very happy that you took the time to meet with us, and I was telling you guys off the air, I know nothing about how the last match wrestling musical performance idea came about, and it's such a cool idea to me because the things I've been able to find out about it is it kind of is a peek behind the curtain to show a little bit about the drama that takes place outside of the ring, the stuff fans normally don't have access to. You guys are giving us access to it in this really cool way. And so I would love to kick off the show just by asking, uh, Jeremiah, how did this idea come, come to fruition? How did you come up with this idea? So, you know, as I was saying just a second ago, I've been a wrestling fan like my whole life. I mean, from the time I was a young guy, you know, I'm 41 years old now. So I grew up in, in the quote unquote, like golden age of wrestling, which is again, why being on an eighties podcast, you know, all those amazing wrestlers from the eighties the were just, you know, they were heroes of mine. Right. And all growing up and then through my adulthood, I continued to follow wrestling. I think it's, it's an incredible art form in its own right. You know, and uh, there are a lot of people in the entertainment business, and I'm sure you guys know that, you know, when you look back in, in history, that they kind of uh, they kind of give a side eye to wrestling. And I, I've always been that guy who is converted fan, like taking people who gave it, gave it that side eye said, you guys really don't understand. Like wrestling is an incredible art form. And then I would kind of give them the spiel as to why. I'm like, you're talking about, you know, uh, about an art form where the fans truly dictate how storylines go. You know, I mean, think about how, I mean, how many times could you say that, you know, a, a bunch of football fans were able to say, we don't want that quarterback, we want the other quarterback, and then that was going to happen, right? Where in wrestling, you know, as a fan, if we don't want you to succeed, you know, if we're not, if we're not buying into, you know, the push that somebody's getting, that push might get snuffed out and actually a push of somebody else that we want to see succeed will happen. And then I would go into, you know, explaining, you know, the actual inner workings of wrestling. And so I've just always been this huge fan who would want people to come into that world and be like, guys, like you and women, hey, I promise you, if you give the wrestling world the opportunity, you will see it for like this actually – and I know it sounds strange maybe using the words like this beautiful art form, but it really is, man, the storytelling, what these men and women put their bodies through to entertain us. And uh, it was always just something that fascinated me. And then, uh, you know, when I started producing uh, musicals and writing, uh, I always had in the back of my mind, you know, this idea to do a musical about the world of wrestling. And I've always been somebody who, if it's never been done, you know, I always want to do it, you know, like, or if somebody goes, that might not work, I'm going to do it. Because if I'm passionate about it, I want to see it through. And uh, so about five years ago, this kind of idea that was in the back of my head, I started talking more about it with people and just chatting. I've always had this vision. And then uh, you skip ahead three years, so about two years ago, I finally said, it's the right time. It's the right time. Now is it. And I'm going to find the right people to work with me on the project because it takes – you have to really build a family and a village to put something like this together. And so I was looking for someone to write the book with me, uh, which is the script, and then uh, somebody to write the music and lyrics. 
And the first person I reached out to was my dear friend Jason Husa, who is an incredible writer just across the board. He's like a super genius. And he jumped right on board being a wrestling fan his whole life as well. And so we started that ball rolling together and just started spitballing ideas as to how we wanted to present a show like this. And then I needed somebody to write the music, right? And so being in New Jersey, I started thinking about people that I knew in the area that would be right because the way that I wanted this to come across was I wanted it to be, you know, 80s rock and roll, golden age of wrestling, what made us guys and, and women in my bracket, age bracket, like fall in love with wrestling. I wanted to make it an homage to the world, right? And so uh, there was a uh, rock band in Jersey City that I knew really well and was a huge fan of. It's called Sylvana Joyce and the Moment. And I remember turning to my wife and, you know, those aha moments that happen in life. I'm like, that's it. It's Sylvana Joyce. I got to get in touch with Sylvana Joyce. And I, when I tell you, we were like Facebook friends. I saw her in a concert once, and I just went up to her and told her I was a huge fan and, and followed her. And I went and sat down, and I pitched her this idea. And I just said, you know, I, I'm writing this wrestling rock musical. I really think you'd be great for it. And she was actually a little confused because she thought I was talking about a different musical that I had actually written. And I said, no, 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 this is a brand-new show. It's not this other show that I wrote. Um, this is a musical about wrestling. And she kind of was a bit shocked. And then she goes, Jeremiah, this is amazing. You know, my husband is a huge wrestling fan, and he's also my writing partner. And I would love to do this. It would be something him and I could work on together that he loves, and it would bring me into the world of wrestling. And, and that was kind of how it all started. So I got everybody together, and we started writing. And uh, we got the script done and the concept done. So a little bit about the concept of the musical is it is a completely immersive wrestling experience. So what that means is, unlike going to a Broadway show, like seeing Phantom of the Opera, where you're going in and there's what's called a proscenium theater, you, this is an untheater theater experience. So it's a wrestling experience that happens to be a rock musical. So the moment you show up to the event, we are transporting you back in time from the moment that you bought your ticket to the moment you're walking down the hallway to go to the event. We are transporting you back in time. The show starts at the door where we've got posters of our, you know, uh, made-up wrestling company and our made-up wrestlers and, you know, the actors that play the wrestlers, you know, are – on promo t-shirts and all that sort of thing. So we take you into the world we want you to be in from the moment that the, you buy your ticket, right, and come through the doors. And then it's, it's a world, uh, you know, with its own wrestling company and all this stuff as if it, you know, has been around for years and years and years. And we transport you back in time to the golden age of wrestling with, uh, you know, storytelling. And then the cool thing is the story is told as if you're at a massive wrestling event, something like a, you know, Bash of the Beach or WrestleMania type of show. And then you're being told the story through a narrator's perspective. And it's really about um, getting to see the backstage drama that helps with the onstage drama and all that sort of thing. And it's all done within a 90 minute span of time. So you get to learn the backstage drama. You get to see the onstage drama. All of the professional actors from Broadway that would be part of the show have to learn how to wrestle, not like as much as true professionals, right? <laughs> like, you know, but, um, you know, a little bit of wrestling here and there to make it um, real and genuine to wrestling fans. Because this show, more than anything else, is an homage to that world, man. I love wrestling. It is not, a, a, there is no mockery of the wrestling world. It is nothing more than a love letter to wrestling in general. And it really tells the story of a character called Ben Vengeance. He's coming to the end of his, you know, Hall of Fame career. He's got to drop the belt to a young up-and-coming third-generation wrestler who has no respect for him or the business in general. And as we all know, that time of kayfabe was extremely important, you know. And the wrestling 
world even today is a sacred brother and sisterhood that you did you you know it was really about respecting the business respecting each other getting each other over doing what was right for business and so ben vengeance has to drop the belt in his last match to this young up-and-comer and it really is kind of a metaphor for what we all face at one time in our lives where you know if you've been one thing your whole life you know, if say you're a police officer and you're coming to the end of your career, who are you if you're no longer a police officer, right? Because we identify ourselves as the things that we do in our lives, right? A school teacher, a fireman, you know, a corporate worker. And so here is this guy who is coming to the end of his career and has to face down not only retirement, but maybe going out in a way that you know, will tarnish his legacy and the things that he spent 30 years building. And who is he going to be without the fans? Who is, you know, it's just being a, a father. Because, you know, wrestlers back then, you know, a lot of them wrestled a long time, um, often to the detriment of their body for us, the fans. And so, you know, there is this respect for the fans and mutual respect from fans to the people who have entertained them because wrestle, wrestling fans, as we all know, and I'm saying anything you guys, you know, don't know, but we have deep wells of knowledge and memory, you know, that's why we love a character for 30 years, even if he's become a heel and then become a face and then become a heel again. Like we remember these things. And so it really is just a story about, you know, what comes next and it's all told through what would happen over a 90 minute TV taping of uh, a major event of this guy's career coming to the culmination of the last match. And, uh, and it's told through rock music, man. And it's going to be an absolute blast. So that's, that's basically where the idea came from. That's basically what the story is. And, you know, and the person who's telling the story in the show, the narrator, you know, this is a wrestling event. So when these wrestlers make their entrances, the actors playing the wrestlers, um, you know, your heels are going to be doing what a heel does. They're going to be, you know, giving it to the audience. The faces are going to come out and, and present themselves in that way. Again, it was important to me, no matter what, what happened to this show, that it came across that true wrestling fans, a show specifically for wrestling fans, that they would come in and go, that, that's what this world is really about. These people really did their, the homework. They really made sure that we, the fans, you know, um, we're given the respect we deserve. And, you know, wrestlers in general. Like if something like, you know, uh, I know that uh, Tommy right now is working with Action Smash, like all these heroes of mine, man, which is great, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, working with these incredible guys that I've looked up to my whole life as superheroes. You know, if, say, they came and saw this show and were moved by it and said that, that that's real. Like they, they did true justice to our world, the brother and sisterhood of wrestling and the industry of wrestling. Like that's, that would be the greatest thing ever. You know what I mean? That's really what this show is for. Um, and also to bring people into the fold who've never seen a wrestling event, but love the theater, right? So you're going to come and see this fun theater theater piece that is telling a story because they love a rock musical and they walk out of the, the you know, the world we bring them into going, I didn't know anything about wrestling before I saw this, and now I'm a fan. Now I'm going to start following ISPW wrestling. Now I want to know about, you know, these old wrestlers. I want to watch old matches. I want to, you know, that would be the greatest thing ever across the board. So that, that's really the story of the show, how it came about, um, blah, 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 vote for Jeremiah for president. <laughs> well, Jeremiah, I'll tell you this. My initial impression when you're talking is as a wrestling fan, I am actually getting excited in the same way that I get excited for a big pay-per-view event like a WrestleMania, like a Bash at the Beach. Like that same excitement was filling in. And when you were talking about making it a completely immersive experience where you're actually transporting the audience from the moment they step through the door back into that world and just the way you described it, I can tell you have a deep respect for the business and for the performers. And as a wrestling fan, that brings me great joy because I can already tell this is not going to be 
kind of a, a mockumentary or a, or a mocking of the world of professional wrestling. You generally have a love for it. And so this is going to yes. be an expression of that love, which I think is incredible. And I truly hope I get to come and see this show at some point. My next question, we have a couple, couple callers on hold. I'm going to leave them hang on hold just for a few more minutes. My next question is, you just laid out this beautiful origin story of this idea. The only missing link in my mind is how does a guy as talented <laughs> as you get a hold of and tag team up with a guy like Tommy Fierro? Fill in this missing piece for me. How did you connect Tommy, and what was your impression when you guys first kind of met, and how did you know he's the guy that's going to help me, you know, take this further down the line? Well, okay, so here's the craziest thing, and I, I don't know. I know Tommy, when I was on hold there, I was listening to his telling his version of the story, but what Tommy might not know is I was already a fan of 80s wrestling con and the wrestling store and had been following him on Instagram, right? And, uh, and as I was getting ready to go to the next phase of the show, the most important thing for me was to find somebody – in the wrestling industry that would see the potential of what myself and my team were putting together and that would have the deep well of, of knowledge and understanding of the business of wrestling. And it was one of those moments where I sat down, I Googled wrestling in the area of New Jersey because I really want to launch this in, in the New Jersey area. It's, it, you know, where I've lived for a long time. And so, like Tommy said, I Googled, and then his name pops up. And then his name and the wrestling store popped up. And I really went, holy cow, man, wait a minute. I've been following this guy at the wrestling <laughs> store. I had no idea. They're one and the same, right? Now, you got to understand, in, in my business as a, as a producer and as an actor, you know, you could send out 100 of these emails to potential partnerships of Broadway musicals themselves, right? And get out of 100, maybe one, two, three responses, maybe, right? I sent one email for this whole show. <laughs> and it went to Tommy Fierro first. I got the number, I got his, you know, the number to the store. I left a message on the store line and I sent an email follow up five minutes later um, saying, hey, I left you a message. I just, you know, I'm a huge fan of what you're doing, and here's this idea that I've got, and I would love to chat with you about it. And thinking to myself, you know, now I'm going to do some more research and look up other, you know, wrestling people in the area and uh, see who else pops up, and then maybe I'll check with them and do, you know, another email to that person, right? And before I could start the email, my phone rang. And it was <laughs> Tommy Fierro. You know, and I was like, what's up? And he's like, oh, Tommy, I got your email. And when I tell you, it's like, I, know, I don't know how much you guys, you know, think like sometimes the universe just kind of points you in a direction, you know? They're like, nope, this is the right way right here, you know? And literally it was like that with Tommy. Tommy and I got on the phone. We started chatting. I started telling him my love of wrestling. He started telling me people that he works with at ISPW and all of these different things. And just the general vibe I got from Tommy, I'm like, this is my guy. If, I, if, if he's on board, there's nobody else that I'm going to call. And literally to this day, I have called no other individual in the wrestling industry. I've not sent another single email to anybody else. Uh, I went and met with Tommy at his wrestling store. You know, I was like, in, I think I drove like an hour and 40 minutes or something to get there. And I just said, look, man, you're my guy. I want to do this with you. I'm telling you it feels right, and here's my pitch, and let's rock and roll. And, man, he, he said, you know what? I've had opportunities. I get opportunities like this all the time, but this feels right, too, and, and boom, the rest is history. And, you know, I'm, his, I'm one of his biggest fans. Seeing the things that he puts together, I, I, you know, I, I've been to ISPW events now. I mean, he's a rock star, and he's only going to continue to climb, you know, up the uh, – the, the ladder of success with all of his promotions and everything he's doing. And, uh, you know, I'm excited that the last match is going to be one of those things, you know, and uh, he's also, 
if I may say, Tommy, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to put you on the spot a little bit. Yeah. When we talk on the phone, we both have the same vibe of, like, our brains work the same way. It was like, you know, Tommy's a promoter. That's what, you know, when you're a producer, you're also promoting what Absolutely. you're producing and putting stuff out there, right? And so Tommy instantly starts rattling off ideas to me, you know, from a wrestling standpoint. And I was like, he's genius. This is it. This is it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the rest is history. And now we're working with ISPW, uh, obviously, that they're going to be training the actors. We're going to be having uh, Vicious Vicky, who is, like, just the perfect example. Like, And I'm going to say this as well. Like, I, I got to go to the event. Right before I go to the, uh, the, last, the latest event that ISPW had, you know, I, I had, like, eight people with me all excited to come and see wrestling. And uh, Tommy's like, we're going to announce, you know, that I'm working with you with the show, right? I said, great. He goes, you're going to get into the ring and introduce Vicious Vicky. And I was like, I'm sorry. I, I was like, wait, whoa, whoa, slow, slow down. I was, like, I was like, bro, you want me to get into the wrestling ring? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And he's talking about this like, you know, he's eating a sandwich. Like, it's nothing. Like, it's no big deal. You just get in the ring and you do I it. Probably like, was no, no, you don't understand. I probably was eating a sandwich when I told you that. <laughs> Literally, and I, I had to stop. I'm like, I know that to you this seems like it's nothing, but do you understand that like you're fulfilling like a bucket list dream of like the most intense wrestling fans' dream of like you're telling me I'm going to get into the squared circle, grab a mic, and introduce the female champion of your promotion? Like my my mind's melting, bro. I need a second. You know, I've been <laughs> on you know massive television shows and massive you know. Uh, oh, in my career as a performer and, and done all these amazing opening nights. And I was, I don't get nervous. And I was sweating buckets. I'm like, don't screw this up, dude. <laughs> this is, come on, bro. Like, this is your dream. You're getting to check off the bucket list, dude. Don't get in there and just whiff it, you know. And, you know, Tommy walks up to me right before I walk in the ring. He's like, God, it's going to be great. He's going to say this. Her name is Vicious Vicky. And in my head, I'm going, don't say her name wrong. Don't get in there and right? do something yeah. dumb. Don't forget what you're going to say. You know? don't, tr- don't trip. And so it don't literally was ropes. a dream come true, bro. It was a dream come true, stepping through those ropes, stepping into the ring, and being able to introduce a wrestler. I mean, like every like part of my wrestling fandom like exploded that day. It was incredible. Hey, man, first, first let, me, let me say to you, thank you so much for uh, your very, 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 very kind words. They really mean a lot to me, sincerely. And and I'm very flattered. And I'm very, very thank you. And I'm I'm very flattered that you know you said earlier that you know once you spoke to me, you didn't look elsewhere and you didn't you know email anyone else. And you're right, man. Uh, me me and Jeremiah are on the phone that first time. He's so right. Like you, you can tell right away if you can gel with someone. You know, you you say hello to someone and and how they answer you back. You know right away what kind of personality they have just by the way they answer you back. And and me and him, no joke. And and, and we, we I thought about this last week on the show, Jay. Wrestling fans and people in the wrestling industry, we kind of like all like gravitate and gel towards each other. Like our our personalities are all pretty much for the most part the same. So I mean, me and him legit like hit it off a minute into our conversation. And uh he he's a really, 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 really cool dude. And uh, extremely smart and knowledgeable to, to his industry that that I don't know much about, and that's where I can come in to help him with with, with the wrestling aspect. Like he said, as far as tra- uh, training some of the the actors with our performers and, and whatnot. But I know we have some uh, callers on the line. I guess we'll get to them and then we'll we'll circle back to this later. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's uh, very mutual, brother. So you guys are talking about passion and. 80s wrestling fans are about the most passionate people that walk the planet. And we have the benefit of being able to have a lot of them on our show. We got two callers on hold waiting to talk to Jeremiah. We're going to first go out to Chico, California to talk to our good friend, Brian, the brain, Brian, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks to uh, Jay and uh, Tommy and uh, Jeremiah. Uh, that sounds like an awesome project. Um, I'm looking into a little bit of your bio, and I see where uh, you've got a, a, a album of uh, Elvis that you did. So uh, yeah. you got some performer and wrestling panaz in there where uh, uh, Elvis was a wrestling fan. Elvis is the biggest showman, one of the biggest showmen in the history of our world. 
Uh, were you a hockey Dude, talk man fan or language, a demolition 100%. fan? Yes, 100% he was. Huge, huge fan. Who who were your guys? There was Hockey Talk Man. Who uh, who else did you gravitate towards? So when I was younger, for me, man, I was an Ultimate Warrior nut. And it, there was something about, and I'm sure other guys in like my age bracket would say things like that too, but like, you know, uh, Ultimate Warrior was, he was just, he seemed like he was insane, you know? And when you're like eight years old and he's shaking those ropes and he had all the tassels and the, the that, that entrance music was so iconic. The dun, 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 You know, it was just, he would just get me so pumped. So when I would wrestle with my buddies in the basement, you know, it was like, who are you going to be? I'm Hogan. Who are you? I'm, you know, uh, Ultimate Warrior. It was always the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, and my favorite heel, of course, as you just said, one of my other crazy loves of life was Elvis Presley, like growing up, because he really was the ultimate showman. And I loved the Honky Tonk Man. I thought the Honky Tonk Man was one of the best heels of all time. And uh, I, I loved his, I, you know, he couldn't sing to save his life. He would have that guitar and just knock people sideways. And then, you know, there are a bunch of other wrestlers that I love, like Axe Smash was great. I was a huge, huge demolition guy. Even when Crush came into the, you know, the folds and, you know. Um, and then I loved, of course, you know, their counterparts are like the other version of Axe Smash, which was obviously Legion of Doom. Um, but, yeah, man, I could talk wrestling all day. It was a huge, like all of those guys, Roddy Roddy Piper, you know. Um, oh, man. That match, you know, I mean, he was one of the greatest heels that ever existed. Best, one of the best on the mic. And of course, I'm a huge Ric Flair fan as well, because even, even in his 70s, he's still, you know, such a pivot, a rock star, getting on that mic, you know. It, it, I mean, it, the cool thing about Flair is he's like, he transcends wrestling to such a degree that, you know, even if you're not a wrestling fan and you go, woo, you know, everybody goes, oh, I know that's Ric Flair. Like, you know. Like, those kind of things blow my mind. So, I mean, yeah, I could go on forever, man. And, by the way, I love your name, Brain, like Bobby the Brain Heenan, which, by the way, one of the characters in the musical is actually kind of a a, a combo of Bobby the Brain Heenan and Jesse the Body Ventura and stuff like that for one of our ring announcers. Well, well, in uh, grade school, I was uh, Brian, and the kids always spelled my name wrong and put Brain, and then these two guys – uh, gave me that nickname uh, from calling into the show, so it's fun stuff. And Bobby Heenan, that's, that's one awesome. of my top uh, entertainers and ever. So I mean, that guy's top ever. three for me with with uh, Roddy and Randy. But as a kid, Roddy was my favorite. I don't, I'm a little older than all of you. Uh, I'm 47, and uh, when Roddy was gone, I was always looking for that next guy, and Ultimate Warrior was right there for me. And uh, a couple of quick things you'll have to talk to uh, Tommy about. Tommy was there. It's actually uh, 35 years ago yesterday. Tommy was there for the debut of Demolition when it was Axe and uh, Moondog Rex originally played Smash. And I think Tommy was the kid in the front row that was yelling Moondog and caused him to uh, replace him with Barry Darso. So, you know, so that's, that's, the, no, that's the origin story of... That's the origin story oh, of uh, Demolition Success is little Tommy up there saying, Moondog, Moondog, and <laughs> chanting and getting the car behind him. And, Brain, and then they Brain. bring in Bart Barry Darso. You've been calling in this show every week, Brain. I did not know you had such witty, sarcastic humor. I love it. Wow. I thought that was You're trying to make me look down, my big Hollywood producer. I mean, Broadway producer here. That's why. No, no, Jeez, no. Wow, Brian, uh, you're today. Yeah, well, 10-year-old, you know, 9-year-old <laughs> Tommy went to school the next day. He's like, I saw these two guys, and one of them was Moondog, and shoot, had to had to call him out. So <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Well, so good. The, another, so good. Another cool thing is uh, months before that, I went to my first show, uh, December 5th, and it was the night – it was the last night before – Honky Tonk Man joined up with uh, Jimmy Hart. So the first few months, the Honky Tonk Man was in uh, the WWF. They tried to have him as a face. Now he wrestled C.V. Yeah. Offie that night. So C.V. Right. Offie was uh, C.V. was a uh, 
uh, face. So we all had a feeling with the uh, vote of confidence that Jesse the Body Ventura did that uh, the honky-tonk man was turning heel, but it was the, I went on a Friday night. The very next day, the Saturday, is when uh, Jimmy Hart was introduced on WWF Superstars as having the honky-tonk man. So I saw him the, the last night before he joined up with Jimmy. And, that, and the main That's event amazing. that night was my guy Roddy Piper against uh, Cowboy Bob Orton with uh, Danny Davis Cowboy Bob. as a special referee. Yeah. So. Nice. Yep, so good stuff around well, there. You, and, I'll, uh, tell you, I'll tell you a quick thing that will blow your mind there, Brain. So I – Yes. I never went to a live event as a kid. My Boy Scout troop was supposed to, they all went to go see uh, in Rochester. It was, I want to say it was 88, and Andre was going to wrestle. It was, you know, wasn't a televised event or anything like that, and my dad wouldn't let me go. And because uh-huh. my mom and dad were like, you know, you, no, I don't want you to see that, you know, and and, and I, I never, to this day, I have not forgiven my father for it, and I still give him a hard time about it. I'm like, you don't understand. Like, I would, you know, if I had seen that, I probably would have become a professional wrestler, right? But I didn't actually uh, see a live event until I was 35 years old, 34 years old, and I had always watched it on television. I had never been able to go to a live event. And uh, uh, this young guy was doing a production of Les Mis as an actor. And this young guy named Kyle, who was in the show, he was played one of the kids in the show, came up to me because he saw me wearing a Macho Man Randy Savage T-shirt. And he said, hey. And this guy comes and like, knocks on my dressing room door and he says, hey, uh, can I talk to you? I'm like, yeah, sure, kid, what's up? And he's like, I see you wear these wrestling T-shirts. I know this might be weird. I'm only like 16, but like, you know, I, Monday Night Raw is going to be in Baltimore. And I heard you saying to some people that, you know, you'd never been to a live event. So I got an extra ticket, and my dad and I are going to go. Would you like to come with us? Oh. And I was so touched. First of all, man, like, you know, at 16 years old, I would have never gone and talked to, you know, like a, one of the stars of yeah. the show that I was in. I would have been too scared, right? And and then I was so just genuinely touched that he, like, was like, you need to go and see this. Like, it's an important thing. and. And I was like, you know what, man? I absolutely will go. And he's one of my best buddies to this day. Now he's like 20, 24 years old. But we went and saw uh, the Monday Night Raw where Chris Jericho jumped off the steel cage, the top of the steel cage, and busted his leg up. And uh, wow. it was one of the greatest days, you know, of even my adult life, being able to go to, you know, here I am with this kid that has this love of it. Here I am with his dad, you know, and uh, so that was the first time I actually even ever saw a live event. So, well, that's I missed out. That's on my great. Day. It made it that much more special. That's exactly right. So that, it really, really did. Yep. Yep. And then uh, one more thing before I get going uh, is to get into to music. But like for me, I was raised uh, not only on wrestling, but also uh, parents were huge Disney fans. So I saw. You know stuff like Mary Poppins, but then there's also uh, Sound of Music. Uh, Annie was uh, we went saw a double feature of E.T. and Annie. Um, the when I got older, Jesus Christ Superstar. So I mean, what yeah. are uh, what are some of the musicals that guided you down that path? Were you also watching some of that same stuff where you're like, now the story's really good, but how how awesome is it that these people can bust into song and the songs follow a path that makes sense with the story? You know, are there certain musicals that, that grabbed you and, and shot you down that path to uh, to getting into this line of work? Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, there were a couple. So I grew up, you know, my parents were not huge like music people, but my sister was a, she danced and then she became Broadway dancer. She was a Radio City Rockette. Like my sister was a very talented person and is a talented person, but has now retired. But um, I would go and see musicals that she was in, like in local community theater and stuff. And I always kind of enjoyed it. Um, But then when I was 14 years old, my older sister literally tricked me into doing a show, legit tricked me, like, you know, and uh, she was like, we need guys for this summer production of a musical called Anything Goes. And, right. you know, I said, look, I'm in the middle of double-day football practice. I can't do it. You know, I'm really important 14-year-old in freshman football. And uh, <laughs> she was like, I understand if you don't want to do it because you're scared. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I never said I was scared. Like, what are you talking about? You know, 
And literally, I'm like, I'll go, you know, to do this show. And that was the first time I ever, like, it was the first time I ever did a musical, and I just loved it. And But, you know, it was still just something to do for fun. And I loved the people. I loved how it made people feel. And I'm sure it's the same kind of feeling, you know, Tommy and his all the wrestlers get when they go out there and they entertain an audience. Like, you know, it's a really special feeling when you know that you just made people happy for a little while, that they enjoyed themselves. But it was funny. You actually said one of the shows that really hooked me into musical theater, which was Jesus Christ Superstar. We went and saw that show when I was 13 years old. And it was at in uh, California at the time, and it was when they the cast from the movie were still they toured around for the 25th anniversary, and I was like I didn't know musicals were like this, you know, like when you yeah. start hearing those guitars and it's really hardcore 70s power rock, I was like this is this is this, and I I literally to this day man my mom teases me I burned a hole in that cassette tape. Yes, cassette tape, and legit um, could do the whole show by myself, like sitting in the car. My mom's like, that's ridiculous. You're ridiculous. That's my son, like doing every single part, even the girl stuff. So it was that show that really launched it for me. And Superstar actually was when I started thinking about the last match, Superstar was something I was like, I want the arena rock feel, man. I want that feeling of just ripping guitars and that awesome bass line and people just ripping into microphones, just like Superstar. And that's, that's how the actual last match started to form in my mind was like what Superstar did. And, you know, cause Superstar often will do what's called arena tours where they just, you know, they do, they go to big arenas and it's not necessarily a show that's in a theater. So yeah. And I've, you know, been a theater fan my whole life from there. Well, great stuff. Yeah, 14 years, a little over 14 years ago, it's uh, December 07. Uh, we went to a theater about an hour and a half from an hour and 15 minutes away in Redding, California, and got mm-hmm. to see Jesus Christ Superstar with Ted Neely actually playing Jesus. Yes. And the guy that played uh, the guy that played Judas was the lead singer of In Living Color, which is his name escapes me right now. But it was it was really awesome and. And uh, my girlfriend had a little too much to drink. And at the end of the show, we're up high in the back. And I see her wandering up towards it. She, she's like, I'm going to go try and see Ted. So she go, I see her going down the, the center aisle up towards, you know, during the very last act. She gets up to the side of the stage and, and, she's, and she's standing there. And she sees Ted across uh, backstage right after the production. The guy says, ma'am, ma'am. And she's like, oh, shit, I'm going to get thrown out. And She's, 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 she's kind of cowering down. She, he says, ma'am, Ted's, Ted's going to come this way. And so he directs her where to go. <laughs> she gets up to, she gets up to Ted Neely and Ted, Ted Neely says, uh, uh, Oh, thank you for being a fan. He's like, would it, would it ruin your, uh, your uh, feelings about me if I gave you a hug? And so she actually got to hug Jesus Christ right there. And, there and she you said go. it, it, it there was amazing. The, uh, the, the robe, the costume he was wearing was so heavy. And, and so she has this uh, great memory to this day of uh, Ted Neely and Jesus Christ Superstar. So uh, that's awesome. <laughs> thanks and, for, and, you know, uh, it doesn't surprise me at all, my friend, because, you know, Ted is renowned for being one of the nicest guys in the business. Uh, he's played that part for ever and ever. And he's literally known just for being the greatest of guys. And I've had friends that have worked with him. I have never had the chance to work with him. Of course, if I do, because even, even being in the industry as a performer and a producer, I'm still a huge fan. And I never, I don't care what, you know, people are like, well, you work with them. They're your peers. I'm like, no, dude, I'm a fan. I don't care. Yeah. I go up and just oh, yeah. like, Ted, I'm a huge fan. I've been watching and listening to you for so many years. I just want to tell you, I'm so excited to meet you. And so it doesn't surprise me at all that uh, he was such a nice guy. That's such a cool story, man. Well, so, so nice talking to you, Jeremiah. I hope uh, you and you well, Tommy right? are successful and uh, take care, man. Thanks so much. Thanks brother. You as well, brother. Take care. Well, there we go. I didn't realize our listeners were so so cultured, Tommy. That was great. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Listen, we got another we got another guy that's been hanging on hold for over forty four minutes. We got to bring him on. We're going Happy down stuff. to the 
We're going down to Atlanta, Georgia to talk to our good friend, Joe. Joe, welcome back to the show. You are live with Jeremiah James. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, Pretty interesting topic we got going here today. Um, Yeah, like besides wrestling itself, it's cool to have some way to um, promote wrestling other than wrestling. (laughs) So good luck with your musical. Um, Thanks, brother. uh, Is it going to be performed in New Jersey? Yeah, so the goal is uh, a couple of things. We're going to launch the show in New Jersey hopefully this spring uh, by doing a concert version of the show while we continue to raise capital for the piece through investment and whatnot. And then once we have the capital, we're going to be doing uh, a, a tour of the show. So we will actually just like a, you know, wrestling, uh, any other wrestling uh, contingent go from town to town with the actual show. So hopefully, you know, we'll be able to bring it down even to Georgia and uh, be able to see the show down there. So if I was you, the first thing I'm thinking of is the stage. And I'm thinking there, I would have to have a wrestling ring on stage. So have you had talks with your colleagues about how that's going to, you know, be viewed to the audience? Is there going to be a legit ring on stage? How is that going to work? Good question. So here's a, here's a cool <laughs> thing. What excites me most about the piece. When I say that it's going to be a wrestling event, there is no stage. There's only a wrestling ring. So when you come and see the show, you're going to go and see the show like you would at any other wrestling venue. The only set of this show will be the ramp for the wrestlers to enter in. There'll be the actual wrestling ring where almost all of the action of the show takes place. It is literally built as if you are in a, at a wrestling event. There will be four major screens above the head, above the center of the ring that will project um, stuff in real time. Some of the actors will actually have cameras that will be focused on the action in the ring. They will have to learn how to do that, you know, in real time so that people that are sitting in the bleachers uh, will be able to watch the show. And there's only two other platforms other than the wrestling ring. And they're just so we have another place to do some action as actors, right? So if you think of it this way, you're going to walk into, say, let's just say it's a, uh, you know, a giant gymnasium, right? The top of the gymnasium is going to be blacked off from the center of the ring, above the ring, as if it's a, a black tent. So you're going to walk inside this world through a, you know, a roped-off little tunnel to a set of four bleachers in the round, just like you would a wrestling event, with four screens above the wrestling ring, a platform for the, the live rock band and their instruments, the entranceway for the wrestlers, and an extra platform to say, you know, they're in a locker room, which we'll, we'll use uh, screens for projections to show where they are when they're backstage and when they're in the ring. Everything, 90, well, 80% of the show will take place in the wrestling ring. The story will be told. That's why I say it is a wrestling show that happens to be a musical and tell a story. It's completely immersive. You come into the world we want you to be in, and it's a, it is the wrestling world. There will, this show will never be performed in a stage like um, – so a, a few years ago, there was a Broadway show based on the musical Rocky, and it was cool, man. It was super cool. Uh, a guy I worked with was the director, brilliant director, but they had to find a way to get that ring on stage, and they did it, but it cost like $20 million <laughs> to mm-hmm. be able to put it on stage and then move it out towards the audience and turn it around. And I thought about that concept originally, like when I was coming up with the idea of the show itself, and I said, I don't want that, man. That, that's a theater show. That's for theater. Mm-hmm. I want a wrestling yeah. show. I want wrestlers. I want wrestling fans to walk in and go, this is the world I already know. This is what I already understand. So it sounds like for copyright reasons, you cannot use uh, real wrestlers' names, and I'm assuming real wrestlers' uh, theme music. Is that accurate? Yep. So everything in this yeah. show is has been written 
from scratch. Every character has been written from scratch. Often the characters are an homage to other characters that we all know and love, but not direct copies in any way. There is no copied music. There is no copied anything. It is all our own imaginary wrestling, you know, company. But the coolest thing about it is, so for instance, uh, Vicky, uh, Vicious Vicky is going to be one of our guest stars. So each place we go, so say we take the show to Atlanta, Georgia, right? Well, Tommy, working with him, Tommy can say, hey, you know, what's the popular wrestling, you know, either ISPW might be along with us and then ISPW will step in. But say we sell the show to Japan, right? And the show's going to go to Japan. Well, what's the big Japanese company, right? There's um, uh, 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 New Japan Wrestling, right? Well, Tommy is going to fly out there with me, and we're going to see and talk to New Japan Wrestling, and they'll be our guest stars in that version of the show, right? So that, you know, just mm-hmm. like in a real wrestling format, right, you will have every once in a while somebody will show up from a, a, a different promotion, right? So say you're watching AEW, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden somebody's there from New Japan. So that's one of the things that was so important was that I want real wrestlers to come in and do some real wrestling. You know, the actors are going to love a certain all, amount yeah. of wrestling. <laughs> yeah. But I we're going to want actual professional wrestlers. I can envision you um, brainstorming meetings for, you know, <laughs> creating the wrestlers is probably fun. Uh, I used to um, play this video game where you could create your own wrestler and, right. and I, my dad would play. My dad would play too. Whereas El Stinko, that was El Stinko. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that has to be kind of fun since you can't use real wrestlers to. To um, oh man, some of the most fun we had so, in writing the script was coming up with the wrestlers and their gimmicks, right? Because the wrestlers were real people, so that we have one wrestler. Obviously, Ben Vengeance is the star. Um, we have a, a female evil wrestler who's literally called the mother. And her gimmick is that she has 15 kids and she comes out smoking a cigarette <laughs> with all the, like, the 1950s curlers in her hair. And she's, a, you know, a, a bigger, stronger person. And she's going to fight the literal, littler female wrestler. And she comes out, sings her own entrance music, and then they wrestle. You know, like it's, so it was super fun. Yep. To, it was like one of the coolest things about it. Nice man, yeah. Um, like my my favorite stuff that I viewed. Um, first of all, with wrestling itself, was the the beginning WrestleManias. Like that's that's like a movie in my mind. Um, but then some other, like I'm a big fan of the the film The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke. Uh, oh yeah. I recently saw Fighting with My Family. Um, I only saw Great. it the one time in the theater, but I thought that was done really well. And it had a background to, you know, it wasn't just inside the ring. It was the drama. It was with Vince Vaughn. He, he did great, you know, training the girls. And I think it was brought up yeah. in this podcast about how <laughs> the business kind of makes it really tough for you to become a star. So, yeah, I, I, yeah. I bet you got a great story. So, uh, yeah, bring it to Atlanta, man. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll go for sure. <laughs> and, you know, the coolest but, thing yeah, is, is you know, if you've got, like, People realize one of the coolest things, man, when we were doing, when we were talking about it at the ISPW event back in December, I had guys come up to me who were like, man, it's so crazy that you're doing this. And I was like, oh, thanks, man. He's like, well, you know, but I'm a huge wrestling fan, but my wife loves Broadway, and I don't go to Broadway that much, and she definitely doesn't come to wrestling. But now she's going to have no choice because it's going to be a Broadway show about wrestling. And we can do it together. And I'm like, yeah, like that's what this, you know, that's the hope, you know, in the end. And and really for us, like, like I said, man, we're going to get it down there to you so you can come and see it and uh, hopefully, you know, blow everybody's mind. Yep. Yep. The last match. I look forward to it. Awesome. Man. Right. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Yep. You bet. Well, clearly you're you're onto an idea, Jeremiah, that is striking a chord with wrestling fans across the country. And so, uh, speaking on behalf of them, we're super excited to see uh, this come to fruition, so that we can actually go and check this out. Before we wrap up, we got a few minutes left. You mentioned some of yeah. your favorite wrestlers when you were growing up. 
Now, normally, Tommy and I, when we have a guest, we like to ask them about the WrestleMania six main event, Hulk Hogan versus the Ultimate Warrior. I was a diehard Hulkamaniac. Tommy was rooting for the Warrior. I hate to ask you, because you kind of alluded that Warrior was your guy. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and assume when Hulk Hogan wrestled the Ultimate Warrior, you were actively cheering for the Warrior. Is that, is that correct? Actually, I'm going to throw a curveball at you, man. I was, yes. rooting, I, I, I was rooting for both. It was because I, I, who, you couldn't not love Hulk Hogan when you were 10 years old. You know what I mean? Like you couldn't. But you have to love Hogan. He was Hogan, right? So it, the craziest thing about that match, which I've watched a hundred times, literally, was that even thinking back to it as a kid, there were moments where, you know, Hogan, you thought he was going to do it, and you couldn't help but cheer for him when he hawked up, right? And here I am, this diehard Warrior fan, right? But then all of a sudden the Warrior would come back, and he would shine, and he would do his thing, right? And then you start, I'd start cheering for the Warrior. Because the coolest thing about that match always for me was it was clean. There was no outside interference. There was, it was good guy versus good guy, title versus title. And we were all just like – I remember watching it live with my buddies and, and being split right down the middle. Of course, when the Warrior won, I was thrilled, you know, because I was always a big, huge fan of his. And for him to win the title in that way and all that stuff was just, you know, pinning Hogan – clean was amazing to see and then them embrace at the end you know it's like yeah we you know may have fought each other but now we're still friends you know you're 11 so you're like that's great you know but um i was split right down the middle that's that's a great answer that is a great answer because you're right when you're 10 years old both of those characters are so larger than life that you can't help but feel compelled and drawn towards both of them now the other thing we like to talk about on this show a lot uh, is because, one, Tommy owns the Wrestling Collector, which is a huge wrestling memorabilia superstore. But besides that, the merchandising that we were experiencing as kids in the 80s and early 90s when it related to wrestling stuff was just, they had so much good stuff out on the toy shelves. It was I'm awesome. wondering, it was Jeremiah, awesome. is, yeah, is there a piece of merchandise, whether it's an action figure uh, a particular shirt? Is there something that you had as a kid or maybe you always wanted as a kid when it comes to wrestling merchandise? My dream was to have a wrestling buddy. I wanted the Ultimate Warrior wrestling buddy pillow. I don't know if you guys remember those. I'm sure you oh, do. Oh, absolutely. Wrestling, you know, like in, in the collector store and everything, but the wrestling buddy pillow of the warrior where I could my buddy had one and I asked my parents again you know sorry mom and dad I'm just speaking truth okay I was I was shafted (laughs) you guys screwed me out of my dream you know but now I'm going to have my own wrestling buddies built just for this and nobody can take it away from me (laughs) I'll tell you what Jeremiah you you have a wrestling buddy now and and it's me well dude I I can't thank you guys enough for having me bro (laughs) <laughs> that's, I mean, no, that's not the same thing, no. Tommy. That's not the same thing. He said he wanted a wrestling buddy. No, no, no. no. He wants a wrestling buddy, the Tonka built pillow. You can't just say my friendship. Your friendship can't fill that hole. We got to get the man a wrestling buddy sometime. I'll, I'll get you one, Jeremiah. Don't worry about it. Listen, Jeremiah, all the millions you're about to make me, the least I can do is go out and get you an Ultimate Warrior wrestling buddy. <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now, man, just make that the opening night gift for when we launch the national tour of the show, the full production. You can bring one for me, and I'll literally probably just blubber. I my dream come true. But uh, <laughs> it is true, though, that I, that I have a wrestling buddy in you. And, and, and the coolest thing for me, man, is like you have literally helped make this dream come true for me to be able to work with somebody that has that kind of knowledge, somebody that understands and sees the vision for what I wanted to bring to life. And I'm just, I'm really grateful uh, to you, to ISPW wrestling, to all that you're doing wrestling con. I mean, I even got to meet, you know, one of the bushwhackers, you know, like, I mean, I, I can't thank you enough just for, for being willing to bring me into the world and this wild idea that I had, man. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm your biggest fan. and I'm thrilled to be a part of all of you're doing. 
Well, thank you so much, man. And the feeling is extremely mutual, man, extremely. So uh, you, we'll be talking a lot more about the last match right here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast, in the upcoming weeks and months. 1,000% we'll get you back on in the future as we uh, grow closer to it. Jeremiah, thank you so much, man. I'm extremely excited for 2022. Thanks to you. I'm right back at you, brother, 100%. And, uh, Jay, thanks for having me, dude. Thank you, man. You were a, a tremendous guest, and I just sat here smiling ear to ear as I listened to you describe the world of wrestling. I can tell you're passionate about it. I will be bugging Tommy to make sure, A, we get you back on sooner rather than later, and B, I'm going to stay on top of him. Make sure you get that wrestling buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, my man. All right, Jeremiah. Have a Thank good day, Thank you so man. much, guys. You take care. Take you care. Right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right. All right. Bye-bye. Uh, Tommy, I'm excited. What? I'll tell you what, Jay. If if I was just you know if it wasn't if I wasn't a part of this, and even me being in the in the wrestling business, if I was listening to this podcast and just heard him talk for the last hour, I, I'd be extreme. I mean, obviously I am. I mean, if I was a listener, I would be extremely excited because he he sold that like it was it was it was well, it is going to be huge. But I mean, just everything he said was just phenomenal. Listen, it, he sold it like it's a passion project. Like, he really does truly have a love for wrestling and for that golden era of wrestling. And so it's a passion project. He's bringing forth something to a mass audience. So that's something that he's, he's very passionate and that he, he loves. Now, you know how sometimes when people will ask you, like, if, if aliens invaded the Earth, who's, like, the one human that you would take them to? Like, this is our leader. I tell you what, if we had to show a wrestling fan to aliens. He might be the most well-spoken wrestling fan I've ever had the pleasure of talking to. I would nominate (laughs) him to go and represent us to the masses anytime. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's very, very, very well-spoken, extremely knowledgeable. And uh, and, and like you said earlier in the show, extremely respectful to our industry. And that's what, uh, you know, helped me gravitate towards him when I was talking to him. I can tell it wasn't you know, a spoof on wrestling. It was something that he generally, you know, you know, cares about and is passionate about and which made me more passionate about it talking to him. So I'm extremely excited. Uh, I, I think that uh, together uh, we can do some big things together and uh, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, this weekend we have uh, nothing at the start this weekend, but uh, this Monday is our first virtual signing back of 2022 on January the 10th, we're doing a feud of the 80s virtual signing with Tito Santana and Greg the Hammer Valentine. You can order autographed pictures of both wrestlers, watch them sign it live on our Facebook page, and then we ship it out to you afterwards. Or, or This is cool, Jay. A action shot of Tito versus Greg Valentine that they both can uh, sign personally to you. That's definitely a uh, collector's item right there. That's a, an awesome idea. Can you imagine how cool that would look on your office wall or your man cave wall? Because those guys had one of the best rivalries in the history of professional wrestling, especially at this time period. And so to have a, an action shot signed by both competitors, that's something you frame and put on the wall for sure. Absolutely. So yeah, that's going to be this Monday night, uh, January the 10th. 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash 80s Wrestling Picks. And then you can order on our website, 80sWrestlingCon.com. And uh, there'll be a link for our Facebook page on there as well. And, and Jay, uh, this past week, we updated the website. Tons, tons of announcements for 80s Wrestling Con Live on May the 7th at the Menon Sports Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. If you haven't been on the website in the last uh, few days, definitely hop on. Tons of updates. And uh, I'm going to be talking to Jay off the air about getting uh, the other packages up on the site in the, in the real near future. Right now we have the general admission tickets and VIP admission tickets. General admission is $20, just access to the, the 80s Wrestling Con. And then the VIP one is cool, Jay. It's 50 bucks, and it's admission in. And then you also get the opportunity – to have a picture of you in the middle of Greg the Hammer Valentine and Tito Santana doing a tug of war with the Intercontinental title. That's another uh, photo op that you hang up on the wall. Oh, for sure. That puts you right in the middle 
of the action. So, yeah, if you haven't been to the 80s Con site recently, there's over 20 superstars. Over 20 superstars have already been announced. Their photos are up on the website, as well as the five special events that have already been announced as well. Tons of information, and the excitement just builds, Tommy. I think I think this is going to be your biggest con yet. I think people are really getting excited about the names that have been announced, and I look forward to seeing what else you pull off as we build up closer and closer to May 7th. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. And then one cool thing that I haven't done in past 80s wrestling cons and live ones is I am going to accept mail order. So you'll have the opportunity, if you can't make it to 80s wrestling con live, you can send in your action figures or your programs or magazines and still have them get signed. So we're going to be putting all that information up on the website in the next hopefully week or so and uh, get it up there. And, uh, yeah, so it, this was something that is, is cool. Like you can get autographed pictures of just say you really wanted the fabulous Rougeau brothers, but you live in Texas and you just can't make it out to New Jersey. You, you still be able to, to order autographed pictures as well, as well as, Bring your, uh, send your own items in to get signed. So we'll, we'll have all that up on the website hopefully in the next week or so. Uh, but our next event is this Monday, Jan. You're looking forward to it. Tito Santana and Greg the Hammer Valentine. Feud of the 80s. Our first virtual signing with uh, a feud uh, theme to it. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to be having my popcorn, my beverage. I'm going to be tuning in. I just hope that those two guys, I hope their feud has settled down a little bit. I, I'm hoping you won't have to jump in between these guys, Tommy. Yeah, me too, man. And I'll tell you what, I, I saw a picture of Greg Valentine with, like, I think it was a, a yellow suit. And I told him, I said, next time you come up here, I want you to wear that yellow suit. So I'm going to text him before Monday, see if he can bring the yellow suit with him. <laughs> I love all two just to see wear. the hammer in a yellow suit. Yeah, man. Well, until then, Jay, thank you so much. It was a very, very great episode of 80s Wrestling Podcast today. Also, next Friday night, we're going to be in uh, – uh, Totowa, New Jersey at the Totowa PAL for ISPW Wrestling, the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. We'll talk more about that next week. But until then, hope everyone has a great weekend. Jay, hope you have a great weekend, brother. And we'll talk to you right here next week in 80s Wrestling, the podcast.